This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. If Bella Gutman was alive today, what would he say about the modern game? What would he say about people like Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola? For his use of the media to motivate his own players, to intimidate the opposition, this was really Gutman's. No, I'm not interested in the opposition, but in this European Cup final in Bern, it's natural to be at an advantage. This game, in my opinion, is 50-50 for both of these teams, so either can win. The first superstar football coach and the man who paved the way for the celebrated coaches of today. More extraordinarily still, Gutmann was a Holocaust survivor, having narrowly dodged death by hiding for months in an attic near Budapest as thousands of fellow Jews in the neighborhood were dragged off to be murdered. Gutmann later escaped from a slave labor camp, but he was one of the lucky ones. His father, sister, and family were all murdered. But by 1961, as coach of Benfica, He'd lifted one of football's greatest prizes, the European Cup, and he did it again the following year, rising from the death pits of Europe to become its champion in 16 years. And so, therefore, Gutmann performed the single greatest comeback in football history. Now, I deliberately recorded David Volkover in a noisy cafe as it was in this environment that Jewish football's social aspect was conducted in the coffee houses of Vienna, Budapest, Prague and others. Bella Gutmann is a Holocaust survivor. A Holocaust survivor who won the European Cup. He was almost murdered in Europe. His family was murdered in Europe. And then he went on to win the most prestigious sporting competition in that very same con continent. 16 years later. 16 years later. Exactly. I refer to him as a Hungarian Jew or a Jew, because that's what he was. I think Hungary lost the right to call this great hero a Hungarian, given their treatment of Jews, including Bela Gutmann's family during the Holocaust. And he's made his name in cosmopolitan Vienna. That's right. As a player, he made his name in, in Vienna, playing for Hakov Vienna, the great Zionist football team of the 1920s where he was the centre-half in their title-winning team of 1925. Uh, they also toured around the world, Hakoach Vienna, uh, with Gutmann being one of their star players. I tried to convey to people how much they were loved by the Jewish world, how much these people were film stars throughout the Jewish world. One time they, they arrived in Poland in 1924 just to play a pre-season game in July 1924, and there were 10,000 people just meeting them at the train station in Warsaw just to greet them. Uh, they went to New York uh, in 1926 and they broke a record for a soccer game which then stood for another 50 years. These people were household names throughout the Jewish world at that time. When I went to a Bauhaus museum in Tel Aviv, I noticed a picture of some of the guys in Palestine and it was like um, a league championship celebration. The streets of Dizengoff were flooded. That's right. Um, I had a tangle with um, George Galloway who really demonstrated his fabulous ignorance when he pulled out the um, documents about the Palestine football team with the, the tweet which said, and they said there was never a Palestine. And of course, the team was made up of Kakar players yeah. and various other players from Berlin and, 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 and from Budapest. Absolutely. 
He's a legendary figure, not just for the fact that he was the first non-Real Madrid manager to win the European Cup, but he played for the all-time greatest Jewish football team. It's amazing, actually, how, how few Jews, even Jewish football fans, know about this incredible story. For me, this is the most gripping, tragic story in the history of football, uh, let alone a Jewish football story. Uh, Hakoch Vienna were not just a Jewish football team, they were also a Zionist football team. They were proudly a Jewish team. There were, ma- there were many Jewish football teams in Europe, and a lot of people know these stories, the stories of Bayern Munich, Ajax Amsterdam, for example. However, Hakoch Vienna were different. The, the Jewish ethos was actually etched the whole structure of the club. They wore uh, the blue and white of the Jewish national movement. They wore a large Star of David on their shirts. And they were heroes throughout the Jewish world. And they were despised by the supporters of their opponents in Austria. And despite this huge hatred, they won the Austrian League in 1925, 13 years before the Anschluss, 13 years before the club was closed down and its results were annulled by the Nazi history books. I'm delighted to tell you that one of the first sticker books I ever had as a child, Figurine Panini in 1978, had all the national champions of all the countries. And checking back in 1925, there it was, Hakoa Vienna had been restored to the record books. And this is where our journey comes together, which is that I am an incredibly proud grandson and grandnephew of two quite prominent players in that side. They were first-teamers, they played regularly. Uh, my grandfather, Benno Passana, and my um, great-uncle, Milo Passana, who was a regular first-teamer in 1927, played with all these key players. The Jews were very uh, integral in the development of football before the war. There were a lot of great Jewish coaches, and the whole Central European style of football which culminated in Hungary beating England in 1953. That style of football, that passing style of football, the the more cerebral uh, style of football with an emphasis on strategy and tactics, which English football had then, up to then, really neglected, focusing on the physicality much more than, uh, much more on, on thinking. And that style of football had very much been founded by the Jews of Central Europe. It's this term, muscular Jews, that you hear so much in the development of Israel before 1948 and now into the early years of 1948, that sudden migration of the survivors from the athletic clubs of Central Europe, Middle Europe, to building kibbutzim and the towns and cities of modern-day Israel. Yeah. This is where this comes from. And and this whole idea, which was coined by the Zionist Max Nordau of muscular football, was really the basis for these sports clubs that developed all over over Europe. It wasn't just Hakkawach Vienna. There were many other great uh, Jewish sports clubs throughout uh, Europe espousing this idea of muscular Judaism. There was Maccabi of Warsaw, Hagibor of Prague, Bar Kochba of Berlin, and and the most famous uh, Hakkawach Vienna. Uh, and yes, they, they rejected this image of the Jew as weak, as defenceless, and they went onto the sports field uh, stressing this, emphasizing this idea that Jews could be as 
strong as the Gentile. They could compete with the Gentile and defeat them in physical activity. I want you to say again what you said to me, which made me cry a bit, actually, at the launch of your book at the Wiener Library. Are you playing catch-up with Johnny Gould's Jewish State? I've had the pleasure of some really great guests. How about Douglas Murray? Israel is a rare country in the West uh, in that it does buck many of the trends. There isn't a, there isn't a fertility rate problem in, in Israel. Um, for instance, as there, there is in, in most European countries. There is a strong feeling of nationhood and of the depths that the country needs to call upon in order to unite its people. And Hillel Neuer, whose UN Watch keeps check on the excesses and mission creep of the UN human rights in Geneva. The challenges are great. They're not going away. I am concerned by the cultural revolution that we've experienced in America in the past five years, the known to some of the woke revolution, where there's a kind of a McCarthyism. If you say something, it could be cancelled and fired from your university, from your corporation, uh, from uh, journalists. And often it's, uh, it's an anti-liberalism. So that, that, to be honest, really, really scares me because we need our democracies to be healthy, to be honest, to be, to be truth-tellers. And so I am deeply concerned. If you like Johnny's regular podcasts, think about making a donation at either patreon.com slash Johnny Gould or buy him a coffee. He loves coffee. ko-fi.com slash Johnny Gould. Jews often make jokes uh, that we make better accountants and lawyers uh, than we do sports players. This joke is very deeply embedded in, in Jewish culture. For example, in the, in the, in the film Airplane in 1980, uh, the great American comedy, an elderly Jewish woman puts her hand up. Air hostess comes over and the woman says to the air hostess, have you got anything very light to read? The air hostess hands her this tiny leaflet and you can see the headline, uh, Famous Jewish Sporting Heroes. And I used to find these jokes amusing, like many Jews do, and now I find them deeply upsetting. Because what they show is that the Holocaust didn't just account for the murder of six million Jews, but it also devastated Jewish collective memory to the extent that we don't even know who we were. His family was murdered during the war, his community was wiped out, many of his friends and former teammates were killed. And I think originally he got this feeling of it's me against the world from his time at Hakoach Vienna. Uh, because this was a team playing amidst the most appalling hostility. Uh, and I think modern day football fans like to talk about the, the animosity, the hostility in football grounds. And they'll boast about, oh, I went to the Arsenal Spurs uh, game uh, yesterday and you should have seen what the fans were hur the abuse they were hurling at each other and they were spitting at each other and were fighting in the ground afterwards and this is nothing compared to what Hakar Vienna had to face, both the players their officials and their fans let's bear in mind that 13 years 
after Hakoaf Vienna won the league in 1925, the Nazis marched into a welcoming uh, Austria and many of the fans of the opposing teams that Hakoaf had to face were perpetrators of a Holocaust against Jews, including, of course, many of Hakoaf's fans throughout Central and Eastern Europe. There is a legend handed down in my family about the day that Hakoa won the title and the opposition was so furious at the idea that a 22-man ball broke out. I don't know about that. History often does get confused. There, was, there, were, there were certainly brawls on the pitch involving Hakoa uh, Vienna uh, and Gutmann himself was sent off on at least uh, two occasions and uh, on one occasion, he admits uh, to spitting at one of his opponents for insulting, uh, for making an anti-Semitic remark. And um, in um, in America, when they went on tour in 1926, there was also another incident in which Goodman got into a fight uh, on the pitch. And as a precursor to many of his anti-establishment tirades uh, throughout the years, uh, Goodman was sent off by the referee and he refused to go and the referee kept pointing to the dressing rooms and Goodman said in Hungarian to him what are you going to do? Sue me and the game continued One of the most remarkable chapters is the fact that he got a visa to go and live in the United States went to New York but had such a book for football that incredibly stupidly he took a job back in Hungary and by the time he got sacked or he moved on from the club it was too late to go back I just find that unbelievable. And he was then in an attic, being protected by his father-in-law. That's right. In 1938, when Bela Gutmann was a coach, actually, at Hakoach Vienna, he was the last coach at Hakoach Vienna before the Anschluss, he got a visa to go to the United States. Not just a temporary visa, a permanent visa. He could have lived there for the rest of his life if he'd wanted to. So he was there in New York in the summer of 1938. But there was nothing going on in football in New York in 1938. Football had been a, a, big, uh, a, a big thing in, in New York in the, in the 1920s, but had died by 1938. So what did Bela Gutmann do? He got wind of a job at a great Hungarian club, Oipest, and he travelled back to Europe. How many Jews, bear in mind by this time, the summer of 1938, there were Jews throughout Central Europe ringing around the various embassies and consulates Trying desperately trying to get a visa. If not for them, then to send their children away without them. That's how desperate they were. They were sending their children away without them, on their own. But Bella Gutmann returned to Europe because he got wind of this job. He loved football so much that he risked his life for football. And the following year, in 1939, having won the Hungarian League at Oipest, the Hungarian League being the league in Europe at that time, along, along possibly with the Austrian and the Italian leagues. And he won the Mitropa Cup, which was then the, the primary interstate club cup at that time, the precursor to the European Cup. He got sacked in 1939 because he was a Jew. He was far too prominent. And uh, so he had to leave his job, but he was stuck in Europe by that point. He couldn't get to America. So let's fast forward now to the fact that he was in the sixth European Cup final. He was and became a European champion, and then, what do you know, he retained it. 
and against the odds Benfica won the final 3-2 they also won against the odds against Real Madrid themselves in 1962 the funniest thing about Bela Gutmann is he still has a hold over Benfica because of course he was a man who exacted a curse on the club and said you'll never win anything in a final game because of the way you treated me after we won our second European Cup to this day Benfica have never won a major European tournament it's all because of Bella in heaven. <laughs> that's right. That's one of the most famous things uh, about Bella Gutmann. And there's one fact or one story people know about Bella Gutmann. That's likely to be it. After he won the European Cup for the second time in 1962, it's alleged that he approached the Benfica Board of Directors and he said to them, listen, I've won the European Cup for you twice. Uh, I want more money. And one of the features about, one of the very important features in terms, in terms of football history about Bella Gutmann is that he was, the, he was really the first football coach to assert the key importance of the coach and to demand the appropriate financial recompense. And coaches up to that point had not been very well paid because it was felt, generally, that it was the players that brought team success, not the coach. Now, could you imagine... Now, if Pep Guardiola won the European Cup twice with Manchester City and he said to his board of directors, I want more money, what do you think they would say? They would, of course, say, write your own cheque. But in 1962, that wasn't the case. It's, a, it's, it's very interesting to look back in history like that. So the Benfica di uh, director said, no, you're not having any more money. This is how the story goes. So he said to them, OK, not only am I leaving, but you, Benfica, will not win another European Cup for 100 years and since that time Benfica have appeared in eight European finals and have lost every single one and this led to also an, a, a, another incident in 1990 uh, when Eusebio who the great football player the greatest ever uh, Benfica player who Gutmann actually discovered plucked from obscurity in from Mozambique in 1960 uh, in 1990, uh, Benfica qualified for a European Cup final. Eusebio had, had by that stage retired and Gutmann had died. He died in 1981. But the final that year was to take place in Vienna, where Bella Gutmann was buried. He is buried in the Central Friedhof, the Jewish section of the Central Friedhof, the Central Cemetery in Vienna. So on the day of the game, Eusebio goes with a Benfica delegation to the grave of Bella Gutmann. And Eusebio, it is said, knelt before the grave of Gutmann and begged his former mentor to lift the curse. Uh, but obviously Bella refused and Milan won the game 1-0 against Benfica. Just to give you an idea of how... Um, isolated English football was was that here was this fantastic coach but it was only Port Vale that even took a look at him and even they didn't think he, he, they'd have a bar of him yes it's amazing isn't it that that nobody was no top club was interested in Gutmann despite the fact not only was he the greatest coach in the world at that time but also of course he spoke fluent English if Bella Gutmann was alive today what would he say about the modern game? What would he say about people like Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola? And what would he make of Israeli football? He'd obviously have been, at some point, the manager of the national Israeli team. He, I think, would love modern-day football because what we've seen in the last few years is a real emphasis on attacking football. 
and he would certainly love the way Guardiola plays. Although Mourinho is often compared to Goodman, quite rightly, for several reasons, uh, for his uh, use of the media to motivate his own players to intimidate the opposition. This was really Goodman's. No, me non interessa l'avversario. But there were a lot of differences between uh, Goodman and Mourinho, and I, I think most importantly, Goodman loved attacking football. Mourinho. Mourinho's emphasis has always been on defensive organisation. Goodman once said, I don't mind nil-nil. Nil-nil's fine as a later score. I just will never accept it uh, as a final score. He would be a superb pundit because he was always going against the grain. He was always, he was a very original thinker. So he would always say things that would make you sit up and listen. He wasn't just going to just repeat the, the mantras that everyone else was saying. So he would have been fantastic on the TV as a modern-day pundit. As for Israel, people always ask me, why didn't Gutman end up in Israel, like so many of uh, his friends from Central Europe who managed to survive the Holocaust? Now, I think that Gutman was only interested in football. And he was not, not an ideological person. He was not a political person. His drive was to be the greatest football coach in the world. And Israel was, at that time, during Gutman's career, and still is, a relative footballing backwater. So I don't think Israel really interested in him as a place to live, despite the fact he was so isolated as a Jew in Europe. What is the message of Bella Gutman's life as a Jew to Jews of today, of the 21st century? I think the message is that the Holocaust was no one-off. And the message also is it wasn't just the Nazis who participated in the Holocaust. There are two... Deborah Lipstadt divides Holocaust denial into two. She talks about the hardcore Holocaust denial, in which people deny the Holocaust took place or say that the Holocaust, the numbers involved in the Holocaust were deeply were exaggerated. She also talks about a softcore Holocaust denial. And I think, personally... The Holocaust denial takes two forms. One is saying that the Holocaust was a blip, some sort of aberration. We must learn from what a terrible event and we must learn from it, from it and we must never let it happen again. And the other, it was, the, the, it was the Nazis who carried out the Holocaust. There were many instances of anti-Semitism throughout the centuries and Bella Gutmann suffered from them many times, apart from during the Holocaust. For instance, in 1920, there was the Hungarian White Terror from which he fled Hungary and 3,000 Hungarian Jews were murdered. Also, it's not true to say, as Bella Gutmann's life proves, just the Nazis who carried out the Holocaust. They might have conceived it, but the whole of Europe participated in that Holocaust. And that's a message that we've lost somehow. I think partly, or mainly, because non-Jewish Europe doesn't like that truth. But you, if you take one look at Bella Goodman's life story, you will see that truth shining out. That's David Bolkover. If you could leave a rating or even a review, that really helps more listeners discover the show. Thank you for listening to this edition of Johnny Gould's Jewish State.
Johnny Gould's Jewish State is brought to you with Dangor Education.